God is faithful, isn't he? Have you experienced his faithfulness in your life? Do we understand this morning that his faithfulness is not dependent upon our faithfulness? That his love for us is not dependent upon our love? He loves perfectly. An agape love, a love that is unconditional. This morning we look at the 8th chapter of the Gospel of John a couple of weeks ago when I started reading and examining and meditating on God's Word in this specific passage of Scripture. One of my thoughts, my first thoughts was, great, great, this is, this is about freedom and we can kind of tie it in to Independence Day coming up on Saturday, the 4th of July, the celebration with our family and our nation regarding the freedom that we have here in our country. But the more that I studied the passage and the more that I was able to meditate on it and seek the Holy Spirit's teaching on it, I realized that it's so much more than about freedom. It's not only about freedom, but it's about genuine faith. It's about sin. It's about the Bible. It's about Jesus' compassion for people. It's about Jesus. It's about his power to heal. It's about his authority to forgive. It's about Jesus being the way and the truth and the life that there is no life outside of Jesus. It's a, about a belief in Jesus that does not save from sin. And it's about a belief in Jesus that saves from sin and sets us free. This passage of Scripture that we look at this morning, I think it's important that we understand the demeanor of Jesus. I was discussing with my good friend this past week that one of the things that the Scripture does not reveal to us is the demeanor of Jesus as he's teaching, as he's interacting with people. In this interaction that we look at this morning, is, is Jesus angry? Is he raising his voice? Is he casual about this and, and kind of jolly about it? And and communicating these life-changing truths in a kind of haphazard way. As he speaks to these people, are you able to see his heart and, and, and see that he's compassionate, that he loves them, that he desires what is best for them, that he knows that, that their faith in him can transform them and, and free them up and give them what they've never, ever experienced before. What is the demeanor of Jesus as he speaks to these people? What is his demeanor as his Holy Spirit shares with us this morning? I, I really believe that it's the same demeanor that we see in the 19th chapter of Luke when we see that just before Jesus makes his last trip into Jerusalem before he is arrested and put on trial and dies on a cross for my sins and three days later comes crashing out of a tomb, 
just before he enters Jerusalem for that last time, Luke tells us that he, he climbs up on a hillside overlooking the city of Jerusalem and he begins to cry. Because there he sees a people who he has great compassion for, great love for, to the point of giving his own life. And he cries because this is a group of people that have rejected him. Ultimately, it's a group of people that would nail him to a cross. And it's, under, it's, it's, it's important as we look at this passage of Scripture that we understand that demeanor. We understand the compassion of Jesus, that he loves us, draws us to himself. This portion of Scripture begins in the 30th verse. It says in John chapter 8 and verse 30, as he was saying these things, many believed him. As he was saying these things refers back to all that he had taught and the way that he had interacted on this last day of the Feast of Tabernacles when he had taught them about grace and forgiveness and he had, talked, and he had taught them about being living water that wells up from within someone and gives life and he had taught them about his being the light of the world and he had taught about who he was that he in fact was God and he had taught about the the salvation that is in his name and the Bible says in in verse 30 that as he was saying these things many believed in him and I'm reminded when it says that of the verse in the second chapter of James where it says you believe God Good, great. So do the demons. They believe God. And the Bible says there that they tremble. I want to suggest to you this morning that true freedom comes from knowing Jesus through genuine faith and abiding in His Word. True freedom comes from knowing Jesus through genuine faith and abiding in His Word. That statement brings us to a place of understanding and acknowledging that it's possible to have a superficial, false faith in Jesus that does not save from sin. James chapter 2, the demons believe. And they tremble. In verse 30, it says, as he was saying these things, many believed in him. In verse 31, it says, so Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him. He is speaking to those who had believed in him. And He says to them, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. Verse 31, he addresses those who believed him. So did they have a genuine faith that saves? Well, I look at verse 34 and I see that's where Jesus calls them slaves. I look at verse 37 and verse 40 and these people are getting riled up and seek to kill Jesus. I look at verse 42 and Jesus says to them, God is not your father. I look at verse 44, where Jesus says to them, 
the reality is, is you're children of the devil. I look at verse 48. It's where they accuse Jesus of having a demon himself. I look at verse 55. Jesus calls them untrue or liars. Culminates with verse 59 when they pick up stones to kill Jesus. So who were these people who believed in him? And how can we identify with them? And what application is there from their experience and Jesus' interaction with them that we can use for our life in knowing the Savior better? Loving him more. The bottom line is these people were just like the people that Jesus mentioned back in the second chapter of the Gospel of John, where it simply says at the end of that chapter that many believed in him, but Jesus knew their hearts, and he did not give himself to them. Their attitude, these people's attitude, was one like this. We'll believe you. We'll follow you around, we'll listen to you teach, we'll learn from you as long as you say things we want you to say. As long as you tickle our ears, as long as you make us feel good about ourselves, as long as you feed us, as long as you heal us, as long as you provide for us the miracles that we've seen you do over the past three years, there's a condition to their belief And the condition is that it's in their best interest that Jesus will take care of them, that Jesus will provide for them, and that Jesus won't tell them the truth, but would tell them what they want to hear. Now, folks, look, the reality is, is that that for all of us, this is an issue in our lives. Some to greater degree than others. But the The fact, the truth that so many come into this place on Sunday morning to receive from him what he can do for them rather than worship him, give to him, make yourself available to him, praise him, leads me to believe that there's an element of this kind of attitude that exists in all of us to some degree. Jesus knows their hearts. And here's his response to them. He he gives them a warning, and then he gives them an invitation. The warning we can see in verse 34. First, he, he calls them slaves. Everyone who commits sin is a slave to sin. And then in verse 35, here's the warning. The slave does not remain in the house forever, but the true son remains in the house forever. Here's his warning. Jesus is taking them back to their beginnings. He's taking them back to Abraham. And he's bringing to their minds that Abraham had a son named Ishmael. It was a son born out of wedlock. It was a son born to the slave Hagar. And he's bringing attention to the fact that Hagar, though in the household of Abraham, was not a true son of Abraham, but was a slave. And when Hagar began to taunt Isaac, 
He was expelled from the household. And Jesus is trying to get them to see that without genuine faith, we are not true sons of his household. We're slaves of this household. And the warning in this verse is the slave cannot remain in the house forever. Only the true son can remain in the house forever. He's saying to them, look, right now you're living within the household of God, but you're not a son. You're a slave. And a slave can't live in the household forever. Only the son, the true son. That's the warning. But he offers them as well an invitation in verse 36. So if the son sets you free from your slavery, if the son sets you free, then you're really, really free. You will be free indeed, he says. I'll make you free. This is an invitation. This is Jesus opening his arms. This is his compassion really coming through. This is his love for them and his desire for them really, really coming through. And he's saying to them, come to me. And you'll experience a freedom that you've never, ever experienced before. But their faith, it wasn't gen genuine. And with a lack of genuine faith, Believing Jesus for who he is, who he had proclaimed to be for three years. I'm God. I am the way of salvation. I am truth. I am the living water. I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am God. I'm the beginning. I'm the end. Put your faith in me. Believe in me. Give yourselves to me. Instead of that kind of genuine faith, they had this, this false faith, this selfish faith, this what does this do for me kind of faith? Those with this kind of false belief don't recognize their slavery. Their slavery to sin. They don't, they don't recognize that. This, this, this ingenuine, this false faith is a kind of faith where people are trusting, listen, in their own righteousness. I'm a good person, and their religion, I go to church in order to save them. Jesus in his compassion is trying to communicate to them and to communicate to some here this morning. You cannot have faith in your own righteousness. You can't have faith in, in religion and, and what you practice in order to please God. It's not... It's not that. You can't save yourself by being good. You can't be free. You can't be truly free. You see, true freedom comes from knowing Jesus through genuine faith. And when we know Jesus through genuine faith, he says to us, then, then, you will continue in my word. Verse 31. So he said to those who believe, if you abide in my word, if you continue in my word, you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. 
What is abiding in his word? What, is that, what does that mean? Abiding in his word is, is continuing in his word. It, it means to live there. It means to be comfortable there. It means to know its rooms. It means to enjoy its amenities. It's a desire of our heart. It's a familiarity to us. It's, it's continuing in His Word. Can I ask you, how are you doing with that? Is it a desire of your heart to spend time in His Word? Are, are you abiding there? Are you, are you living there? Look, real, real conviction in my own life about this. It's wrong for me to only spend time in God's Word so I can prepare a sermon. When Jesus loves me and we have this intimate relationship together and He wants to reveal to me things and He wants to mold me and shape me and change me and He wants to use me and, and that doesn't come from preparing a sermon. That comes from me living in His Word. It comes from me abiding in His Word. It comes from me being comfortable with His Word. It comes from me understanding the different rooms of His Word. It comes from intimacy. It comes from opening the Word and asking Him to reveal Himself to me in new and fresh ways and asking Him to change me and asking Him to challenge me. It comes from His Word. What priority does Jesus' words, what priority does God's Word, what priority does the Bible have in your life? And, 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 and if you have to answer that question by saying, like I do, it's not the priority it should be, then maybe that is an indication or maybe evidence of why we live in bondage and we don't live in the freedom that comes from the truth in His Word. To some extent, don't we all live in bondage? To some extent. Some are in bondage to fear. You know, others are, are in bondage to unbelief and jealousy, anger, addiction, temptation, sin. And though I believe that many of us have this genuine faith in Jesus, we, we find ourselves in bondage to so much that He wants to free us from. And really the key to understanding His freedom in those areas of our life can be found in His words to us. His Bible. Jesus' words. His word, His teaching is the truth that truly sets us free when we abide in it. And how do we go about doing that? We become comfortable with it. We live in it. And when we begin to abide in His words, it sets us free from, can I say this, spiritual ignorance. That's what keeps us from knowing the living and true God and from being conformed to the image of Jesus that True ignorance cuts a person off from enjoying the blessings that are ours in him. Abiding in his word opens up a treasure chest. It frees us to enjoy him. 
Abiding in His Word frees us from the bondage of sin. We're no longer a slave. We can be free from that. Listen, religion can't do that. Many of you could stand and testify this morning. I sought freedom from sin, from anger, from jealousy, from addiction, from whatever. I sought freedom. I sought freedom. And so I started going to church and I went and I went and I went and I went. That's religion. And I went and I found that there was no freedom to be experienced, that it wasn't in, in being religious. Freedom is found in his word. If you abide in my word, you're truly my disciples, and you'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. It made me think about an old passage of Scripture, and I should, not an old passage, I should say a passage of Scripture in the, in the Old Testament, First Samuel, the fifth chapter. The, the story uh, goes something like this. I, I'll give you the unabridged, I'll give you the short version, the Philistines, Enemies of the people of Israel had captured the Ark of the Covenant. It represented the very presence of God. It represented God's Word. It had within it the tablets that Moses had brought down from the mountain. They had captured the Ark of the Covenant, and they took it and they placed it in their own temple. And they placed before the Ark of the Covenant their image of their fish god, his name was Dagar. They placed it in front of the Ark of the Covenant and they left. They came back the next morning and they found their image of Dagar on his face prostrate before the Ark of the Covenant. Well, this is not good, so they set it back up. And they left and they came back the next morning and once again they found the image prostrate before the Ark of the Covenant, except this time his head and hands had been cut off. And they said, this isn't good. And so they sent the Ark of the Covenant back to the Israelites. Listen, here's application for us. The Ark is Jesus. It's the words of Jesus. The words of Jesus are, are everything that he taught us. It's who he is, it's his death on the cross. Those are the words of Jesus. It's, it's his power to forgive, and the Ark of the Covenant represents that. And Dagon, I said Dagar, it's Dagon, D-A-G-O-N, Dagon, that God of their fish, represents our sin. It represents our anger and our jealousy and our selfishness. our addiction, whatever it is. And when we put those two things together and we remember this story from the Old Testament, then I would share this with you. The key to freedom from our own Dagons is to bring into them the Ark of the Covenant or Jesus are the words of Jesus. Now, that's different than what we normally do. Psalm 119, how shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed according to your word. 
How do we mend our paths? By bringing into those situations, into those sins, into that bondage, we bring into that Jesus' own words. God's words. Now listen, if you're going to write anything down, write this down. God's commands are God's enablement. It's in God's commands that we can experience his freedom. What we tend to do in order to experience freedom is we focus on the sin. What this passage is teaching us is that we should focus on Jesus. We focus on what needs to be changed. He says, no, focus on me. Focus on my provision. Focus on my blueprint. Focus on my commands. In my commands is your enablement. When the Lord speaks, there's power in his commands. We are confronted with a decision about what we do with what he gives us in his word. What we do with his commands. We we receive his commands through his word. Through music, like we listened to this morning. Through teaching and discipling and preaching. And when we receive his commands, we have to make a choice. God, today I choose to receive your grace and obey your commands. Or, God, today I choose to ignore your commands and walk away and remain a slave. God, I I choose to receive your grace and obey your commands and experience true freedom. Or I'll ignore your commands. I'll walk away and remain a slave. Abiding in Jesus. Abiding in his word. Sets us free. Sets us free from the power and sin in our lives. It sets us free to serve others as well. There's true freedom there. Galatians chapter 5 and verse 13 says, For you were called to freedom. Do not turn your freedom into an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. As you experience What a wonderful time we've had together today. What a wonderful time of worship. What a wonderful time of celebrating with the McCowns. And what a wonderful time of singing together Amazing Grace. And everything that we've done this morning has exalted the name of Jesus, has lifted him up. It's been our way of acknowledging that he is the way, the truth, and the life. Our way of acknowledging his love for us and his involvement in our lives a way of acknowledging his design for us and his, his compassion for us and his blueprint for us and what he wants to do in our lives, how he wants to set us free. He wants to set us free from the bondage that we all face to some degree or another. And this passage of Scripture is showing us that true freedom comes from knowing Jesus through genuine faith And abiding in his words. If you sense you're a slave to sin, and listen, listen, I've sensed that in my own life. I know those areas that 
Jesus wants to change. I believe that you can have genuine faith and still feel like a slave. I know that. Maybe that's your condition this morning. Maybe you've never exercised genuine faith in the one who can truly set you free. This morning, Jesus offers true freedom. The Bible says in this passage of Scripture that we look at together today, if the Son sets you free, you're really, really free. I hope that's a desire of your heart. I'm going um, to take a couple of weeks off, starting in about six minutes. <laughs> Not that I'm counting. I want you all to pray for me, okay? I want to come back different. I want, to, I want to come back a better dad and a better pastor and a better leader. I want to spend time in the Word. I want to continue in it. I want to abide in it. I don't, I don't want to use it as a resource for a sermon. I, I, I want to experience intimacy with God through His Word. I want it to change me. I want it to set me free. I ask you to pray for me. That I would not use this time to do nothing, which I love doing. <laughs> but I would use this time as intimacy with Jesus. Let me invite you to stand. Jesus, we look at your word this morning and it becomes alive to us, to so many of us. To some, it's nonsense. I, I know that. The Bible says we can't understand your heart and we can't understand spiritual things unless you reside in us, unless your spirit resides in us. I pray for those, Lord, this morning who are, who are not true sons, but they're slaves. They cannot be talked into a relationship with you. The Bible says no one comes to the Father unless the Spirit draws them. I ask you to do that this morning. Those who don't know you, that you would draw them to yourself. I ask you that you would give them a boldness, maybe to come and speak with me about what it means to be a true son, to experience your forgiveness experience your salvation Lord I think there are far more here this morning who live beneath their privilege as sons of God by finding themselves a slave or in bondage to this old world to temptations to sins and I pray Lord that you might do a work in their lives that you might give them a vision for what you have for them. A vision of your involvement, a vision of your direction, a, a vision of your blessing in their lives. And give us a hunger for that, Lord, and give us a thirst for that. Not playing around, Lord, this is serious, serious stuff. 
Work in our lives as only you can for your glory. I pray in your name. Amen.